0: Wilt Chamberlain is widely regarded as one of the greatest athletes to ever play the game of basketball. Standing at 7 feet 1 inch tall, Chamberlain played for the San Francisco Warriors, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Chamberlain holds multiple records in scoring and rebounding, and is the only player in NBA history to score 100 points in a single game. But when Chamberlain first came into the NBA, he was shooting 40% from the free throw line. To put things into perspective, the NBA league average for free throws during the 2020-2021 season was 78%. Even terrible free throw shooters in the modern NBA, like Shaquille O'Neal, had a career free throw average of 52.7%. So Wilt Chamberlain's 40% free throw average was absolutely terrible. But during the 1961-1962 NBA season, Chamberlain changed tactics. And suddenly, his stats exploded. During the 1961-1962 regular season, Chamberlain scored 4,029 regular season points, making him the only player to break the 4,000-point barrier. On March 2nd, 1962, the night of Chamberlain's 100-point game, one of the more impressive stat lines of the night was the fact that he made an unbelievable 28 out of 32 shots from the free throw line. That's 87.5%. So what tactic did Chamberlain employ that led to such a drastic improvement in his free-throw shooting? He started to shoot his foul shots underhanded. Instead of releasing the ball up by his forehead, he held the ball between his knees and flicked it towards the basket from a slight crouch. He started using granny shots to shoot free throws. And his free throw average jumped by 20%. But then, after his record-shattering season, Chamberlain switched back to shooting free throws the old way. And he went back to being a terrible foul line shooter. So why did Chamberlain switch back to the old way of doing it? In his autobiography, Chamberlain wrote, I felt silly, like a sissy, shooting underhanded. I know I was wrong. I know some of the best foul shooters in history shot that way. I just couldn't do it. It's amazing to think about how Chamberlain's drive to be a better shooter was weaker than his worry of what other people thought about him. It's even more amazing to think of how many more scoring records Chamberlain could have broken had he simply continued shooting free throws underhanded. That single characteristic, a fear of looking stupid, held him back from being all that he could be. But you and I can't be too judgmental of Wilt Chamberlain. All of us as men have small things, fears, hangups, anxieties, idols, and other things we hold on to that have the potential to hold us back from being all that God wants us to be. Welcome to the Committed Masculinity Podcast, a limited series that explores the issues and challenges facing Christian men who are serious about Jesus' invitation to be a disciple. On each episode of the series, we will review the content of each chapter of the book, Committed Biblical Masculinity, and then discuss the issues of each episode with a special guest. On today's episode, conclusion, the things that hold us back, and the ultimate question. With special guest, Corey Trimble. what's holding you back? My guess is that most of the content in this book is nothing new for a lot of guys reading it. Most Christian men know they need to be committed to the Lord, to their wives, to their families, and to living lives of purpose, integrity, and character. But for a lot of men, it's not a matter of knowing. It's a matter of behavior. In other words, Most of the time, it's not our ignorance that holds us back from becoming all God wants us to be. It's our unwillingness to act, to make a change, or to actually do the work. It's our unwillingness to sacrifice, to get vulnerable, or to humble ourselves. It's our unwillingness to be consistent, to be disciplined, or to be held accountable. We could be so much more than what we are. But so many little things so often hold us back. It's deeply sobering to think about the untapped potential in the lives of Christian men who are comfortable right now just sitting on the sidelines. How many souls could be led to the Lord? How many fatherless young boys could be mentored? And how many broken, depressed, and suicidal men could be helped If men of God simply committed the lifestyles of surrender and obedience to Jesus as King, why is it that our drive to be more committed to Jesus is often weaker than our worry of what people will think of us? Or our idolatry of entertainment? Or our fear of not being good enough? Or our desire to make money? Or whatever else it is. The ultimate question. I want to challenge you with a question. A question I don't want you to take lightly. Take some time to think about it, pray about it, and do some soul searching. If you're a journaling type, take some time to write about it. If you're not outdoorsman, go on a hike and spend some time reflecting on it. But whatever you do, don't take it lightly. The question is this. Am I committed to God's vision for me as a man? And if I'm not, whose vision for my life am I committed to? True love necessitates commitment. God's greatest commandment is for us to love him with all our hearts. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. We can't do that unless we're completely committed to God and his purposes for us. If we truly love him, we'll commit ourselves to obedience. John fourteen fifteen, twenty one fifteen, through 17. If we say we love God, but aren't committed to obeying him and walking in his light, we lie and don't live out the truth. First John 1, 6. But if we display our love for Jesus through joyful, committed obedience, we will walk in the light as he is in the light. We will have fellowship with one another, and we will daily experience the purifying power of God's grace. 1 John 1, 7. Jesus is the only one who can make you who you were called to be. It's not about your manliness. It's about his power at work in you. The ultimate question for every man is this. Will I commit myself fully to Jesus Christ and his vision for my life? So to all the guys who have listened to this podcast every week, to all the guys who have read the book, to all the men's groups that have been going through the content of this material, I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much. I am very honored to be able to walk with you guys through um, your Christian lives. And, uh, I'm just encouraged to see what God has been doing. So, um, thank you, and please keep it up, this thing called discipleship, this thing called following Jesus. Um, We need more committed, godly men in our churches, in our families, in our communities. And so just a couple of quick words to leave you all with before um, we jump into the interview. Um, First is, I just feel led to say this. I don't know who this is for, but I think this is for somebody. Please show yourself some grace. Um, don't beat yourself up. If if you're listening to this podcast or reading this book and it just feels like every time we go through a chapter or every topic we talk about, all you feel is condemned and like there's all these things that um, you're not doing or you should be being better at or, or whatever else it is, um, show yourself some grace. And Jesus loves you so much. And uh, the Bible gives us this amazing truth in Romans 8, 1, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so it's not God condemning you. It's not God telling you how awful you are. Um, that's the work of the enemy. The Holy Spirit convicts and shows us how we can change. So if you're feeling condemned and you're beating yourself up, don't do that. Um, allow the Holy Spirit's conviction to lead you to a place of grace so you can make the changes that God's leading you to make. Um, if you know of the things that are holding you back in your Christian life and the things that are holding you back to be the kind of man that you need to be, um, look for some changes that you can make in your life. And when I say changes, I'm talking like small, practical, sustainable changes. Like here, here's one you can make. Um, if you get up every morning for work at 630, maybe try out the next two weeks setting your alarm for six and spending the first 30 minutes of your day in prayer and reading your Bible. Um, That is so small, that is so sustainable, and and it can be done. And um, if you miss a day, don't beat yourself up. Um, I like to say that if we miss a day of Bible reading, we're not supposed to beat ourselves up and shame ourselves. We're supposed to feel hungry so we can get back to the Word of God and the bread of life. And so small, sustainable... And practical changes. Um, Next thing I would say is get consistent with just the basic purposes of Christian life. So things like reading your Bible, like maybe you're a guy that has never read the Bible all the way through. And um, maybe that's a good habit that in this upcoming year, you could make that a goal that you're going to read the Bible all the way through. Um, There's some awesome reading plans out there to help you do that in a very practical way. And so maybe that's a um, a thing that you can commit to doing—just being in the Word. And and if reading is tough for you, you'd rather listen to it. If you have the U version app on your phone, you can download an audio Bible and you can listen to it every morning on the way into work. But get consistent with that. Just the basic purposes: be in the Word, read the Bible, get um, into the habit of hearing God's voice through His Word every single day. Uh, pray. Prayer is really hard for a lot of guys because sometimes we feel silly. We feel like we're talking to an imaginary friend. But when we make the habit of spending time in prayer every day before the Lord, um, it it changes things, and it first starts with us. It changes us. And so you you don't have to start big and have that fade away and dwindle away, and you beat yourself up and finally just go, I tried this whole prayer thing, and it didn't work. Maybe just start small. Maybe start by in the mornings uh, as you get up with your Bible, you read some of your Bible, and then you have some things you pray about every single day. You pray for your wife, you pray for your kids, and you give your day to the Lord. And then throughout your day, as the Lord lays people on your heart, you bring that to the Lord in prayer. Um, But start implementing that habit of prayer in your life. If you're not regularly um, attending a church, that's a good place to start. Um, if you're part of the experience community, our network of churches, there's probably a, um, a good place for you to get plugged in there. But if you, you don't go to the experience community, we would love to help you find a good Bible teaching, gospel-centered uh, church that you can get plugged into. But that's so, so, so important. Next thing I would say is you need community. Um, the whole chapter about community and having friends and all that stuff, man, I am so, so serious that... Um, You have to have that. You have to have that. And so if you don't know where to get started with that, um, you can send me an email, josh at experiencecc.com. I will point you to a men's group if you live in Middle Tennessee and you take the Experience Community Church. But, um, man, that is so crucial for your journey as a follower of Jesus, for you to be in community, you getting discipled alongside with other guys. I also encourage the guys listening to this to take time to serve in their local church. So if you attend an experienced community church, there's so many opportunities to do that. But even if you don't, there are certain things in your spiritual maturity that can only be accomplished through you choosing to be others-oriented instead of self-oriented. And so I think that there are some people that get really suspicious of pastors talking about serving, and I understand that. I think sometimes pastors can... uh, view people as cogs in the machine, and that's that's to our shame, and that's unfortunate. But um, I, I just want to speak to you as another Christian, not as a pastor. Um, if you refuse to serve, whether in a local church or in your family or in your community or whatever, um, you're going to be stunted in your spiritual growth. You're just not going to be all that God has called you to be until you make your spiritual life about more than just yourself. And so I want that for you. And and so I want to encourage you, get into the habit of serving. The last thing I would say is this, if there's something holding you back that you know you need to talk with somebody about, I want you to know there is power in vulnerability, confession, and transparency. There are some breakthroughs in our spiritual lives that only come about through letting other people in. And so for you, that may mean you need to go to a Christian counselor and you need to sit down with a godly clinical counselor and have somebody walk with you through some baggage or some um, issues that you maybe have. Maybe it is you need to um, open up to a pastor about something that is holding you back. And you know, and until you get some healing in this area, until you give it to the Lord, you're, you're never going to receive, um, that peace that you need in that area of your life. Um, can I just, can I just let you know that, that, um, the longer you keep that thing in the darkness, the nastier and uglier, uglier it's going to be. But when you bring it into the light and you let the light of Jesus shine on it and you get some accountability and you let other people walk with you through it. That's when it removes the, the ugliness and the shame and the darkness of whatever that thing is. And so um, I just want to encourage you if that's you and, and that's where you are and that's what's holding you back. And it's the shame of, um, of other people knowing that's keeping you from being who you need to be. I just want to encourage you to, to bring it into the light. There's freedom on the other side of surrender. And so I want to say a prayer for the guys listening, and then we'll jump into our interview with Corey. But uh, I want to pray for you. So, Father, for whoever's listening right now to this, I want to ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would strengthen and encourage them. Lord, I pray that wherever they are in their walk with Jesus, wherever they are as a man, as a father, as a husband, as an employer, as an employee, God, would you help them to live a life of purpose, and to live a life surrendered and committed to the vision that you have for their lives, Lord. God, it's hard right now to be men. It's hard right now to lead our families in the way that you've called us to lead our families. It's hard right now to be the kind of husbands we need to be. It's hard, Lord, to walk in purity. But I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would fill each man that's listening to this with a sense of strength, with a sense of peace, And Lord, with a divine responsibility for us to be all that you've called us to be, Lord. I pray you give us the strength to commit to you with our whole hearts, our whole lives, and everything we've got. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. My guest today is my good friend and pastor Corey Trimble. Corey, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing well. You doing
0: okay? I'm doing real good, man. Always, a, always a pleasure get to see your beautiful face.
1: I, I don't have a fancy mic. I should go get mine. I got one over in the corner, but
0: <laughs> well, I'll make I'll I'll fix it in post. I'll make you sound resonant and full. Well, that's tough, thanks. So. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, so most people listening to this probably should know who you are, but uh, for anybody listening who doesn't, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you.
1: Um, I pastor the Experience Community Church in Murfreesboro, uh, which was the first Experience Community Church, and then um, I I get to work with you and our other uh, pastors of our different campuses, and um, that's pretty much it. I'm a husband, a father, i got two girls. Been married for 18 years and um, got a 13-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old daughter.
0: it's oh, crazy. I remember when your oldest was a year and a half. The first time we hung out, she threw up on you. So She did, all over my black shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a pretty manly hobby. You love to work and fix old cars?
1: I do. I'm not the greatest that? at it, but yeah, it often Is that, makes me mad.
0: Has <laughs> that always been kind of a lifelong thing or how did you get into that?
1: No, I didn't get into that until, uh, man, I got into that really, I grew up around it my whole life. My dad built cars and um, it's kind of, it's kind of, I kind of regret the fact that I didn't get into it when I was really around it growing up. I got into it later, got my first old car about a year after Elise and I got married. Yeah, right when Elise and I got married, it was an old 72 Dodge and just liked it, fell in love with it, fell in love with the car culture. And that's just been kind of my hobby. That's awesome, man.
0: Yeah, I don't yeah. have that uh, skill set. I can't really work on cars.
1: Well, I've never shot a deer. So.
0: <laughs> to each his own. <laughs> different different uh, strokes for different strokes, I guess. So, uh, yeah, man. So you've been in ministry for a long time. You've been a pastor of the experience for 13 years, I guess, at the time mm-hmm. of this recording. Um, you were student minister before that. You've been around a lot of dudes. You've counseled a lot of guys. You've seen a lot of guys that can do, um, unfortunately, this thing that many guys do, and that's make excuses for why they aren't all that God has called them to be. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. What what kinds of things have you noticed sometimes hold guys back from being who God has called them to be as fathers and husbands and disciples?
1: Well, I think it's the very core of it. I think a lot of men don't, don't find it to be masculine. Uh... To pray with their families, to 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 bring their families to church. I, I think that our culture has bled into a lot of Christian men that um, it's just not a very manly thing to to be a sensitive, kind of spiritually aware and um, emotionally aware person. And uh, because of that, I think we we find our manhood in things like um, not things that are altogether bad, but our jobs are the you know the sports we're into you know smoking meat and driving a a truck or or um uh you know owning a sports car or whatever the case may be and in the in the process of kind of pursuing things that i guess temporarily make us feel like men we 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 really lose sight of the the biblical things that make us men being a good husband being a good father being the the spiritual uh protector of our family, the emotional protector of our family and and the physical protector of our family. I, I said this last week when we were doing or two weeks ago when we were wrapping up Ephesians. Um a lot of men can say, yes, I, I physically protect my family. I, I I provide for my family. But when it comes to that spiritual side, very few men can say they're the ones that are leading their their families spiritually. And that's yeah. That's the root of it.
0: Well, what do you think that does to our our wives and our kids in the absence of our spiritual leadership?
1: Well, I mean, the first thing I think it does to our wives is it starts to mess up the roles that God designed for us to live in. Uh, I'm not trying to to, uh, put all the emphasis just on men, but if you go back to Ephesians 5, I think the reason why a lot of women don't respect their husbands is husbands haven't demonstrated a respectable life. And uh, and when a wife is constantly dragging the husband to church, constantly the one trying to um, almost provoke or push their husband to be that leader, I think over time, when men are not spiritually what they're supposed to be, it it, it affects the whole role of your your the the, the different gender roles in marriage. It affects um, how your kids view the world. I mean, boy, the implications just go on and on.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think too. It communicates something about our faith to our children when we see it as not that important. And they watch our lives and they see as men that we put far more emphasis on, making sure that we're watching every ball game for our favorite team or our hobbies get first priority. And so that communicates a number of things. Number one, that our spiritual lives are not that important, but then number two, that our children and our wives aren't as important. Those relationships aren't as important to us as the things that we um, prioritize.
1: Yeah, they're important as long as they don't get in the way of those other things, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, And,
1: and we don't say it, mm-hmm. but, we, but we sure do live it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that I've been talking to a lot of folks about through this podcast is just the idea of Christianity being a lifestyle of commitment and obedience for whatever reason is really foreign in American Christian culture right now. Um, for a lot of guys, it's just kind of a, you wear the title, you wear the moniker, you go to church on Christmas and Easter, and if you're super spiritual, every Sunday. But most of the time, you would not say that it is commitment, obedience, and sacrifice that define your faith. It's more of a profession at some point, whether you got baptized or whether you prayed a prayer and walked an aisle. And I think we're starting to see the impact of that in a, in a pretty dramatic fashion right now. You want to speak to that for a second? Have you noticed that too?
1: Well, I mean, if you want to talk about just the 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 escalation that has kind of happened from our previous negligence, um, I think just even with the the conversation of of sexuality and gender and just sexual promiscuity as a whole, decades ago, I don't think men got a grip on their own lust and their own um, struggles, and because of that, uh, now these same you know, supposedly Christian men who are talking about the gay community or the trans community. Well, all of those things are a residual effect of our negligence of our sexual issues from decades ago. And so I, I think there are all these, I think there are a lot of parents, both men and women, who are now stepping back and saying, well, how in the world did we get here? Well, how we got here was, is that the, that the genesis of uh, our families." In the genesis of our marriages and what we should have been as men and, and women, we were negligent and, and uh, selfish. And so I think when that selfishness and that negligence goes over time, it, it escalates. What, I mean, we're doing James 1 this week, and what does James say? That basically unchecked temptation leads to sin, unchecked sin leads to death. It's the same thing with men being spiritually negligent in their homes eventually things fall apart.
0: Well, and and there's like this uh, thing that we think that our version of life or the world's version of life is going to be satisfying. And so we can get just a little bit of Jesus and kind of sprinkling him in on top, you know? So I'm going to kind of keep all of my things and that's going to take top priority, but I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on top. But I mean, James 1, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, right? That's right. We got one foot in, one foot out. We're kind of... Yes, I'm a Christian, but I'm more really driven by my desire for money and my hobbies i mean it's it's a pathway to destruction and you know maybe not necessarily for us, but I mean the spiritual impact that has on our children, our families, and our communities is
1: is awful well you you know i mean because and again, whoever's watching this or listening to this or whoever reads your book, you and I don't think there's anything wrong with college football or anything you're a huge college football fan but but what's fascinating is, and you know this from doing this with me for a long time, this time of year, our attendance will drop 10 to 15 percent, depending on what football game is on. And I said it a couple of weeks ago, uh, our Saturday night services were, were down probably 20 percent because of the UT and uh, Georgia game. And then you would think that on Sunday morning, because we offer four services, that, that our numbers on Sunday would be huge because, you know, they missed on Saturday but they weren't. And I remember saying to our congregation, what kind of message are you sending your spouse and your children that, that Jesus in church is important unless there is uh, a football game on, unless there is a, a travel baseball season, the, the long-term, and you said it, uh, man, football's great, but, but that's, that's not a fix to life's problems. Um, Travel baseball is great, it's not a fix to life's problems, but we are teaching our children um, that these kind of temporary shots will somehow satisfy you, and, and, and they're not doing so.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think really the ultimate question, and I, I talk about this in the book, is that we've got to come to a, de- a point of decision in our lives as men. Are we committed to Jesus' vision for what our lives should look like in Jesus's version of what is the Christian life, or are we really just going to do our own thing and Mm. then pat it with religion, pat it with a verbal profession that we're a Christian because we don't want to roast in hell? I mean, it it really comes down to what Jesus said to the first disciples. Hey, come follow me, right?
1: And You hit the nail on the head, though, Josh. I think that second scenario you just explained, I mean, that is the, you just described the problem. That we are we are living the lives we want to live, and Jesus is kind of this convenient side character. That when I'm in trouble, I can pull this guy in. When I'm desperate, I can. When my wife finally walks out the door, then I will call him for help. You hit the nail on the head.
0: Well, my hope and prayer is that you know an, an ounce of provision is worth a pound of cure. Um, you know, the first guest on this podcast, and I talked about him in the intro of the book, was my friend Gary, who um, he shared his story about how he found the Lord and he was in a place of desperation because his marriage was falling apart. But in the years following that experience of, of uh, salvation for him, he's come to a place where he's realized that man standing on the rock that is Jesus, that is the only um, source for truth and for goodness and for satisfaction in life. And and my hope and prayer is that that guys listen to this, they're not going to wait until that happens. They're going to find that foundation now. Um so, what would you say to maybe the guy who's listening to this and he would say, Man, I, I haven't been the guy I've needed to be. I have been a compromiser. I've had one foot in the world, one foot out. Um, how can he start becoming everything that God has called him to be? And what advice would you give a guy like that?
1: You know, we were working on James, again, James chapter one this week. And something that kept going through my mind is <clears throat> all Christians, not just Christian men we have to learn to be proactive versus reactive. We have a tendency to react to life. And I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. I think the Bible teaches to be proactive. What I mean by that is when we when we have a church community, when we pray, when we have the word of God in our minds and in our hearts, we, we are being proactive in the sense that when something does happen to us, we react properly. You know, we're we're, we're ready. And so if if a If a man were to come up to me and say, man, I just have not been the kind of man, husband, father that I need to be. um, I think men, for the most part, are pretty simple. I think we're fixers. I think we're doers. And I think that is the answer. Um, You need to make church a priority in your life. You need to be there every week. You need to be the one to make sure that your family is up and ready to go and that you are the, the, the one holding everyone accountable. Um, I think fathers, the biggest thing I've ever done as a father, I feel like, is every single night when my children lay down in bed, I go and lay my hands on both of my kids, and I pray for my kids every single night. I think every dad should do that. You should pray for your family every single day. Um, I think I think men need to get into the Word on the commute to work, to listen to the Bible on an app, or to take 15 minutes a day. It, it is I think with men, it is simply a matter of, you know, what's right. You have to have, you have to make it a priority to do what is right. I think it is simply with men. It is about doing.
0: Yeah. So it's not necessarily a matter of knowledge. It's a matter of obedience.
1: Man, you you know this because you've counseled a million people too. If you let people talk long enough, people know what's, people know what the right answer is. If you let people talk long enough, most people know what they need to do. Um, I think it is just positioning yourself to where you're held accountable and um, having praying for God to give you that desire to want to follow through on what you know is right.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it all comes down to the will, really. Yes. You know, (laughs) am I going to choose to surrender my heart and my life completely 100% to King Jesus and what he says I should be doing, or am I still going to try to stay in charge? That's right. And the rich young ruler was not ready for that. And he walked away sad because he had a lot of stuff.
1: You know what, though? We, we always pick on that guy. And, and we have all been the rich young ruler at one time or another, whether it's with money or whether it's with our hobbies or whether it be with our personal time or whatever. the case. All of us have been approached by Jesus saying, follow me. And, well, I just got other things I got to do. You know? I think it's just acknowledging that. So,
0: well, Corey, man, appreciate you a lot. Always, always a pleasure chatting with you. And, uh, yeah, I, I see you all the time. So it's not like a- your office
1: is much more exciting than mine. You got a guitar <laughs> up there, you got a map over here. I, do have,
0: I have a map of Cannon County over there. Yeah. Well, you
1: got a window. I don't have a window.
0: Well, I used Look to this. have a window, no, no window. into the road. Yeah. You, well, you got built in bookshelves. So we're having I office do. envy right now. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, right, have, man, I, man, I
1: love have no window and, uh, if I could go back in time, I would have put a bathroom close to my office. Yes. But
0: yeah, oh well. I just, hindsight. I just have water bottles that I go in when I need. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, dude.
1: All right. Hey, thank you. See ya.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Committed Masculinity Podcast. I want to thank our guests who have been on. Gary Rapier, Alan Brooker, Jeremy Smith, David Young, Mike Lee, Ray Owens, Greg Swords, Mike Sanchez, Gabe Rutledge and Ryan Brulette. Ryan, I'm so sorry I misspelled your name. Carl Williams and Corey Trimble. I want to thank Austin Krasavi for help with production stuff our theme song is coastline by hot ham and i want to give a special shout out to my friend van baggett who listens every week sends me an email encouraging me and encouraging the guests that we have on van thank you so much man you are definitely a barnabas and i appreciate you a lot i want to thank my beautiful wife jenny for putting up with me and loving me and being an amazing woman of god I would not be the man I am without her, and uh, I want to commit the podcast, um, as I also committed the book, to my two sons, Aiden and Judah. I'm praying for both you guys that you would both grow into warriors, poets, and passionate men committed to chasing the very heart of God. If you like what you've been hearing and you want more, the book, committed biblical masculinity is on amazon now you can go pick up a copy for yourself and any guy that you would like to disciple and take through the book and uh if you want to follow beards and bible podcast you can hang out with me and my buddy gabe Rutledge over at the beards and bible podcast we release two episodes a month we are on spotify we are on apple podcast youtube or wherever else you get your podcast god bless you guys thank you so much for listening We'll see you around.